Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Nor as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where me and my brother John answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I just received in the mail 378 <gasps> uh, Tumblr stickers from Tumblr. Oh, wow. And Actually from Tumblr, Tumblr. Uh, yeah, from, from Tumblr itself. And I... I feel like this 378 things joke has gone a little bit too far. Uh, I, well, I mean, we got to back is, away like, from what it, are you Hank. Gonna, what are you going to do with 378 stickers? I, Give me something I can eat, Tumblr. Yeah, well. Some I, Tumblr I, candy bars. <laughs> some Tumblr hot pockets. You know. It, some Tumblr salad dressing. When something. I, when I think about the places where Tumblr needs to expand and change, I really, I do think about food first. Uh, they need to get in the hot pocket <laughs> business because... I just feel like the current Hot Pocket business is not being well served by only having one brand in it. Uh, Yeah, I do not see enough social media representation at the grocery store. What is that about? Why are there not Twitter, uh, you know, uh, what are those things called? TV dinners. Twitter TV dinners. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. They're just, it's just, they're all 140 calories each. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, one of the things I really like about having you as my brother, Hank, is that even <laughs> when I have kind of very mediocre ideas, you're wonderfully <laughs> excited about them. And I really appreciate that. Oh, well, I got really I got really excited. I think I think Twitter's missing out on a huge opportunity. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. The biggest problem that Twitter has is not being in the TV dinners business. Uh, Hank. Would you like a short poem for today? Before we do that, John, I have to say that you got your stickers from Tumblr, but I, from, so now, from two different sets of uh, fans of the pod, I've gotten candy, and one was the Orions, the weird Irish potatoes that have no potato in them, and now I have received, just because you are always getting the good stuff, and people feel, feel bad for me, I assume, I just got 378 peanut butter cups. What? Not from Reese's. Just from people who want me to feel better about my lack of good candy. Man, that's not fair. I love Reese's Cups. 
I know, they're good. But do you know what, John? Do you know what? I have put them out for all of the staff at Complexly Missoula to enjoy. Unlike your policy with your poor people in Indianapolis who just got to look at and not touch the Snickers. Uh, okay. I don't, I'm, oh. <laughs> you know, <you're, laughs> don't, don't try to paint me as a bad guy just because I wanted to enjoy all 378 of the Snickers that the Snickers company sent to me personally. Uh, well, we're, we're different people. That's all. That's all I can say. Do you have a short poem for oh, us today? That's, that's not, that's not at all fair. <laughs> I am a, I am a fantastic person who just happens to love Snickers. And also, uh, I would not ask for someone else's Snickers. You know, I believe that uh, in, in this world, a human being has to pull themselves up by the bootstraps uh, and <laughs> without any help, find their own Snickers in this world. You know, we've all got an equal shot at Snickers, There's also the, the fact oh, that if... Kidding. Yeah, I know. Well, there's also the fact that if I had 378 Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in my home, that next week I yeah. would have about 50... And, uh, and, and, but I would have serious digestive issues. So yeah, I do need help with this problem. It is, it is a bit of a problem to have that many Reese's peanut butter cups. I would, I would say that, you know, some people would construct it as a problem. Other people would construct it as an opportunity. Here's a short poem. Uh, it's by Bill Knott, a poet I've gotten really into since he died. Uh, I feel bad <laughs> because... It's so cliche to get into poets right after they die, but I didn't know about him until he died. Anyway, this uh, poem is called Alternative Fates, and I really love it. What if right in the middle of a battle, across the battlefield, the wind blew thousands of lottery tickets? What then? Oh. What then, Hank? Like scratch-off tickets? Like they're not done, or are they already, are they winning lottery tickets? Or are they like, that have been like, or are they just like, okay, everybody has to get their coins out to see well, if I you think won. almost by definition, they can't <laughs> all be winning lottery tickets. Uh, then it's not a lottery, <laughs> it's just really a straight cash works. giveaway. That would be more expensive than the actual war, uh, I think. Probably not. Wars are astonishingly <laughs> expensive. It's <laughs> a good point, John. All right, what do, you, what do we got in, in the way of questions from our listeners this fine day on Dear Hank and John? Well, this first question comes from Danny, who writes, Dear Green Brothers, anytime I cook something in the oven that requires a covering of aluminum foil, I notice that even after 40 plus minutes of exposure to extreme heat, the foil is barely even warm when I remove it. This is weird. Isn't metal supposed to be a good conductor? Should not the foil be just as hot as the metal dish in which my delicious lasagna is being cooked? Is everything I learned in my chemistry courses about conductors and insulators a lie? Any dubious explanation is appreciated. Victory for the forces of democracy. Danny. I feel like I just was asked to participate in propaganda by reading the sign-off. I've been tricked, Hank. Yeah, you guys, you guys, you're not getting 100%... Uh, like read of sign-offs. We will skip them sometimes if we find them controversial enough, but not that one. Victory <sighs> for the forces of democracy, John. Mightn't democracy have been overrated? Do, do you do you not like the frame that the for like victory for the forces of anything? Really, like maybe we shouldn't be framing things that way, or is it the? Or is it I wouldn't mind like victory uh, in the war. I don't. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so, Danny, <laughs> to your question, 
uh, the, if you were listening extra hard in in your chemistry slash physics classes, you you would uh, you would know uh, one extra thing about heat, which is that it's there, but it is also um, it is only there in the amount that it can be there. So if I have like a a piece of lead that's like thirty pounds and it is uniformly heated to you know four hundred and fifty degrees or whatever your oven was at, then that object has a ton of heat inside of it. It isn't just a temperature, it also contains a lot of heat. And then if I have like a feather that I have, well, that's a bad example because it's gonna catch fire at 450 degrees probably. But if I have something that is very light um, that I heat up to the same temperature, then that will be the same temperature, but it will contain less heat. So uh, when you're talking about this tinfoil, tinfoil is very light, it's very thin. Uh, so when you touch it, you are actually touching something that's 450 degrees, but all of that heat immediately, like it, it just isn't enough to heat your finger up very much. What? So it's going into your finger. There's just not enough heat to, to change the temperature of your finger dramatically. No, there is no, I thought it was because aluminum is something special and different from other nope. metals. There nope. is no way that is the answer. That is the answer. Shut the front door. So, yeah, I even looked it up because I was I wanted to make sure. I mean, I, you know what, Hank, I support you, and as you know, I'm a huge fan of science. Victory for the forces of science. However, <laughs> there's no way that's true, Danny. It's because aluminum foil is different from other metals. <laughs> that's why, and nobody knows how it's different or why it's different, but it is. <laughs> okay, well. We, you know, you're just because uh, you just because you don't uh, agree doesn't mean it's not true. But we'll we'll move on. Hank, if I've learned anything from recent American history, it's that if you believe something, that is legitimate, no matter what. Even if it's wrong, it is as legitimate as a right as a right opinion, because opinions are just opinions, and everyone has them. And facts are just facts. And there might be alternative facts that contradict your facts. And there's a lot of data out there, and the data isn't clear. And <laughs> aluminum foil is special and different and you just don't understand it or maybe science doesn't understand it yet because it's so complicated and interesting that science hasn't been able to grasp it All so right. let's move on <laughs> questions from john who asks dear hank and john i'm a delivery man and i started giving people reminders of their mortality along with my pizza am i good it could happen at any time john <laughs> uh no no, you're, no not you're not good, good. You're, not you're not good, good man nope Nope, you're uh, you are on the wrong side of history, friend. Here's my issue with this, Hank. I, I mean, do you just have one? I have one issue. Okay. All right. I want you to imagine a pizza delivery situation in which you open the door, you <laughs> hand the money for the pizza, the pizza is handed back to you, and then somebody says you could die at any moment. <laughs> What I'm going to take from that is not like a helpful reminder of my mortality. I'm going to assume that I am about to be murdered. <laughs> yep. I mean, I also, I want to know how this message is being delivered. It's very vague. Like, like are you uh, Yeah, just... are you being super subtle? Because even if you're saying, if you look at me at the end of a pizza exchange and you just, even if you say it could happen at any time, I'm going to spend the next yeah. like six years freaked out over like, what is it? Yeah. I, I like to imagine that uh, there's just like, before he puts the pizza in the box, John just writes a little message, just, uh, just, it could happen at any time, like very small under the, and so you're like 99% of people aren't noticing it, but like somebody takes that last piece of pizza and then they're like, what is that? What is that? 
What is it? What does it mean? What <laughs> the pizza? What is the pizza box trying to tell me? John, <laughs> you have to stop doing this. This is <laughs> I mean, is a oh. big big concern for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely will not order a pizza again from a restaurant that delivers with a pizza delivery man who is also delivering a message of my own mortality. Like it's just yeah. Like, I mean, have you not noticed like a <laughs> dramatic decrease in repeat customers? <laughs> reminders of their mortality along with pizza. I mean, if there's any time, like I understand that we should be aware of the the finite nature of our existence. But yeah, also Yeah, that's why we have sundials. I'm about to have a pizza. I don't need this right now. Like I'm, I'm Yeah. I've already made a mistake today. I'm already indulging myself. I don't Hey, hey, <laughs> stop right there. Stop right there. All right, we've Hank, you and I have both now said stupid things in this podcast that we just need to stop and apologize for. First off, I expressed an opposition to democracy. I would like to take that back. <laughs> okay. I am hard in favor of democracy. I don't know where that came from. And then now, having said that, Hank, I want to give you an opportunity to take back the horrible, disgusting, <laughs> reprehensible thing you just said about pizza. I take it back. I do not want to shame myself or anyone else for the, for the enjoyment of the perfect thing that is pizza. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. All right. We are, I feel like we're back to even now. Um, and but you did that whole that, thing about aluminum foil and science being wrong, but whatever, we'll just ignore that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not walking away from that one. Um, <laughs> it seems like you must be wrong. I believe that you're right, but it also seems like you must be wrong, which um, let's move on to another question, Hank. All right. Actually, you know what? I'd like to formally apologize for saying that science <laughs> is wrong. Okay. Yeah, but I... I I don't know if people can read tone anymore uh, <laughs> in, in these dark and strange times, so I just want to be absolutely clear that I'm, I'm pro-science. This question comes from Emma, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I have a distinct problem. For the first 16 years of my life, I thought my name was Emma. That's spelled E-M-M-A. However, upon my attempt to acquire a learner's permit, I found out that there was a clerical error on my birth certificate, making my legal name Emma. That is Emma spelled with three M's. <laughs> E-M-M-M-A. <laughs> to be clear, this spelling was not intended by my parents. However, they seem to find my mutant beast of a name absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and take every opportunity to remind me of it. Obviously, I am distraught. The problem with my name is causing an inordinate amount of anxiety for me. I mean, is it better now that we're laughing at you, Emma? And perhaps it's something philosophical about the teenage struggle for identity. No, I don't think it's that. I think it's maybe that your name is spelled E-M-M-M-A. Oh, how is this? How is it pronounced, though, John? How is Emma with three M's pronounced? <laughs> don't, like, is it just don't Emma? make it worse, or is it like don't make it worse? <laughs> don't make it worse. I'm having a hard time figuring out if my fears are legitimate. Thus, I've turned to the pod. Oh, great idea. So, am I being too uptight? Should I pretend this clerical error never happened, or should I own the new spelling? <laughs> Well, I'm worried that it's going to end up on your driver's license, too. Like, is No, you should not own the new spelling. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. Yeah, just like, hey, why is your name Emma with three M's? Oh, because like 16 years ago, somebody misread a form. Okay, but John, I, was, I just want to point out that, that uh, Emma signs off, um, the quality of mercy is not strained, Emma, or possibly Emma. But Rosiana has has put the person's name at the top of uh, of the question as she does, yeah, and has spelled yeah. it with three M's. 
Uh, I mean, I, I believe it's pronounced Emma. Emma. Right? Emma. Emma. I think it's no. I think it's just Emma. Oh, that's what it is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You just have to you have to settle more into the mu. So it's like Emma. <laughs> Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, By the way, that quote is from uh, Shakespeare, and it's a very good sign-off. Emma, it's really <laughs> lovely. And so if nothing else, you've got gr- a great sign-off going for you, which is a wonderful start. And then I think that probably the next step is, um, yeah, you should go ahead and legally change your name to the name that is your name, uh, because the government should not get to decide how many M's are in your name. I don't want to sound like too much of a libertarian, Emma, <laughs> but I do think that there are some places that the government should stay out of, including the number of M's in Emma. Dude, I mean, dude, just stick with it. Stick with the three M's, because who else has that? Who else has that story? Everybody from now on is going to look at your driver's license and they're going to be like, I didn't know your name had three M's in it. And you're going to be like, funny story. And also, I was on this podcast and they told me to keep it. So I did. Though one of the uh, brothers was wrong and he told me to change it. And I disobeyed him directly. And then I wrote a letter to Hank about how right he was and how great he is. Not since I said that aluminum foil... Uh, <laughs> Can't can't be judged by science. Have I heard such dubiosity? <laughs> My God, that's ludicrous. That's terrible advice, uh, Emma. I mean, look. Th- the thing is, Hank, she will have the story for the rest of her life. No, All she needs to do is like photocopy up. the birth certificate and keep it in her nah, pocket. You gotta and have like for the rest natural. of her life, she's gonna have a hilarious story. I mean, Hank is right, Emma, that this is a very funny story. Like, I understand that. F- current you is really unhappy about this situation and I don't blame you because it is an unpleasant situation to be in at the age of 16 when you're trying to get your driver's license. Future you is going to find this as funny as your parents do and like so there is, you need to hold on to some memories of Emma but I don't think you need to hold on to the name as your name if you don't want to. All right. I feel I feel as if we have both made our cases. This next question comes from comes from Cassandra with three S's. Dear Hank and John, <laughs> recently me and my boyfriend broke up due to irreconcilable differences uh, a couple of days ago. His name was Ryan, and I'm not even joking. I'm generally doing okay post breakup. However, the situation has left me with a serious quandary. Who gets custody over the teddy bear we made together at Build a Bear? Cinnamon sticks and hockey pucks. Cassandra, does he want it? I mean, uh, does anyone want does it? Does anyone want in it? The, in the long, long, long run, is this not a bear that would be best suited with an entirely new family? <laughs> I mean, have you seen the ending of Toy Story 3? That's where we're at here. Yeah, I think we're at a Toy Story 3 kind of moment. No spoilers. And I, I think that maybe... Uh, in the even in the medium run, it might not be that helpful for you to have the bear, and I don't think it would be that helpful for him to have the bear. But I do think it would be helpful for somebody to have the bear who could really love that bear and and care for it. Uh, in fact, if you uh, is the like the problem is you don't want to throw the bear away. Like you don't want to say no. You you bear. I'll take the bear. Do you want to send me the bear? I'll pay for no, it. No, Hank. That's no, Hank. You are not a good home for the bear. I guess you could give it to Orin. On the other hand, I would submit that Orin, uh, uh, among the world's children, is perhaps, you know... <laughs> yeah, bared up. Yeah. I mean, he's probably reasonably bared up. So, maybe... 
donate the bear somewhere? No, I feel like, Can you I donate feel like bears? A, well, the thing is, it's, it's like a custom bear. It's got like, it's got memories of this particular situation inside of it. And, you know, people are, there's probably a, a, a surplus of Build-A-Bears that have memories attached to them that people feel a little bit weirded out by. But anybody who's listened to this podcast, I feel like they'll be aware enough of the story that they'll want to, you know, give the bear a good home and, and avoid any, you know, nasty custody battles. Okay, so if you, listener, are in a situation where you need a bear, a Build-A-Bear bear, high-quality Build-A-Bear bear, uh, available now. Um, by the way, this person has not agreed to make her bear available, but <laughs> Hank and I think it's the right thing to do. Let us know on the Patreon at patreon.com slash John. You can access it even if you don't donate. Uh, if you need a bear yeah, and what you would need a bear for and we, Cassandra, if you are ready to say goodbye to that bear, if this relationship is really over, uh, and it sounds like it is, I think maybe if you're willing to give it up, and uh, no pr- no pressure if you're not, uh, we can find a good home for it. The bear's name is Crawford, by the way. Crawford the bear, made at Navy Pier in Chicago. Uh, it, it sounds like a lovely and sad story, but I, I think that the I think that there there's a there are happy resolutions that can occur. I agree. I I am inclined to agree. It's still it, it's a sad situation. Um, I had a similar issue with an actual cat, uh, oh, not a not yes, a stuffed cat, harder. but a live cat uh, named Pants. When my uh, college girlfriend and I broke up, and the Pants situation still bugs me. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to another question from Rachel, who writes, "Dear John and Hank, I recently went out with some friends, and the phrase came up: beer before liquor, never been sicker. Liquor before beer, and you're in the clear." I feel like this is not actually a thing since it's just all ethanol, right? It simply depends on how much you drink. Have you experienced this phenomenon? And do you think the saying is true? Still alive, Rachel. Well, I'm glad you didn't die of alcohol poisoning. Good <laughs> Lord. I mean, maybe that's just just generally her sign off, not to do with the specifics of this question. I feel like as a sign off, here's my issue with it as a sign off. It is uh, a little bit redundant. Right. Yes. Well, you are typing at the moment, so there is. That's that. my concern, you, Hank. Yes. I, you and I are going to answer this question differently because you presumably have done some like scientific research on it, whereas I have uh, something more powerful than science called anecdote. Hit me with that anecdote, buddy boy. So, I've um, I've gone both ways, and um, my experience uh, has been that. Uh, If you drink a lot, uh, you will feel sick and uh, you will feel sick the next day. And once you hit about the age of 37, you will also feel sick the day after the next day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh So don't just don't drink to excess. And if you find yourself like regularly drinking to excess and not able to not drink to excess, you have to pursue uh, not hangover remedies, but instead uh, treatment options. Mm-hmm. Well, I will. So, so I, there definitely isn't a lot of hard science here. There may be something to the fact that you might get a little more water with your drink if you are um, if you're drinking beer uh, second, because maybe you drink longer. Because here's the thing: it's it's definitely a psychological thing more than it's a hard science thing. I think that when you are drunk, you drink more. So when you're not drunk... That is definitely true. So so if you start with liquor, uh, and then you're like, I'm a little bit drunk, and then you move over to beer, it's harder to get really, really drunk on at least, you know, your average American beer. I mean, it's super possible. 
Super possible. Oh, I, it's not that. It's not that hard. Uh, but I think. But it's easy. It's it's easier to know what you're uh, drinking when you're drinking beer. Whereas when you're drinking liquor, uh, you know, shots like a, a, a shot glass of a slightly different size can have way more alcohol in it. Uh, a you know a, a mixed drink can have way more alcohol in it. Like you don't really know how much alcohol is in a mixed drink. So I think it's easier to drink more when you're drinking liquor. I don't think it's impossible to drink a lot when you're drinking beer. But I think that that is that is where this uh this saying came from is that when you uh once you are drunk if you switch to beer you're getting a little bit more water with your drinking and also uh you may not be you may not end up drinking as much as if you get a little bit drunk on beer and then you switch to liquor and start going way way overboard and not knowing how overboard you're going because you're already drunk so that's, I think that's where it comes from, but like, absolutely, you can get super sick both ways. And so drink, uh, do, do not drink to excess because it's not fun it, in my experience. It's not as fun. It's not. No, uh, a few years ago, my, my best friend, Chris, uh, gave me a piece of advice that, uh, to quote Gatsby, um, uh, I forget the quote. Um, I've been turning over in my mind ever since, I think. Anyway, uh, the piece of advice was this. Uh, we were at a party and I had a beer in my hand and Chris looked at me and he said, you know what? Nobody ever regretted the next morning. And I said, what? And he said, not having the last beer. It's <laughs> a great, great point. I want to thank Chris. But for then that. if you follow that line of reasoning all the way down, you never have any beers. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. There's certainly in yeah. terms of regret, uh, but it's, it's good advice, especially when it comes to the last beer. Uh, I also want to thank John for uh, really just cruising past the part where I called him Buddy Boy and not making a big deal out of my weird decision there. I literally didn't hear that, but uh, <laughs> it's just one more example of how extremely dubious this entire episode of The Pod has been. This question comes from Emily. Oh, wait, did I read the last one? You did. This question comes from Ben, who asks oh, Dear Hank and John. Poor Emily. I, we'll get there. I was considering a YouTube Red subscription, however, I don't know if it's worth the money. I recently saw Hank go on a lengthy Twitter spree about YouTube Red. I'm nervous about the side effects. How much do creators make off of YouTube Red without ads, Ben? Uh, well, let me summarize quickly. We get a percentage of the revenue that you give to YouTube, and uh, a YouTube Red viewer is definitely always worth more to a creator than a uh, advertising-supported user. Like, at, at least two or three yeah. times more. Although, in the current environment with ad rates, uh, I would say in the toilet is perhaps an understatement. Like, whatever is below the toilet <laughs> uh, is the YouTube ad situation at the moment. Down yeah, the it's, somewhere, it's somewhere downstream yeah. from the toilet is the YouTube ad situation. You know, I think at the, I think at this point, it's kind of at the sewage treatment plant, and they're trying to figure it out, trying to make it a little bit yeah. less gross uh, before they, they start That's to That's exactly it. correct. So uh, I would say at, at this point, YouTube Red Viewer might be worth five... To some creators, even ten times as much as a uh, as an ad supported yeah. user. So certainly, YouTube Red is good for creators. Yeah, but but also like if you know if you don't know if it's worth the money for you, like I think it should be worth the money for you. Um, oh, absolutely. And and if you want to help creators, supporting them on Patreon goes way farther than even a YouTube Red subscription will. Like a so. hundred times for, further. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, I, I have YouTube Red because I like it and because an ad-free YouTube is worth it to me. Uh, and also because it comes free with a Google Play music subscription. So I was able to get rid of my Spotify subscription. Um, 
which uh, I will never say again if Spotify just agrees to sponsor this podcast. However, <laughs> until they do, I'm going to tell you the truth, which is that I got rid of Spotify for Google Play Music and then it basically got YouTube Red for free. Uh, and I'm kind of confused why everyone doesn't do that, but yeah. maybe maybe lots of people don't have paid subscriptions to Spotify. I'm not sure. Which brings me to the fact that this uh, podcast is brought to you, of course, by YouTube Red. YouTube Red. YouTube Red. Sure, why not? Yeah. No, it's like it's like a Spotify Plus ad for YouTube. That actually <laughs> that actually sounded like a proper sponsorship, Hank. That was as close as we'll We're ever get. At, we, did, we didn't get paid for that. We did. We do kind of get paid. Yeah, uh, but indirectly. But more, but more, more to the case, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Patreon, a place where you can support really great independent creators directly, and they, a very, very small percentage goes to the upkeep and maintenance of Patreon's uh, actual business because they are really creator-focused, and they are great. Patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. We've got to get rid of the actual sponsorships, though, Hank. Let's, uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Build-A-Bear Custody Battles. Build-A-Bear <laughs> Custody Battles, coming soon to a theater near you? <laughs> And uh, this podcast is also brought to you by Messages of Mortality, which was were brought to you by your pizza delivery man. Messages <laughs> of Mortality, uh, available now, uh, inside of your pizza, apparently. And most importantly, today's podcast is brought to you by the forces of democracy. The forces of <laughs> democracy, just to be absolutely clear, I'm in favor of them. <laughs> Good, okay. Whew, that was close. All right. This question comes from Emily, who writes, Dear John and Hank, hey guys, okay, so I have this problem. My problem is that for as long as I can remember, my uncle has always greeted me by asking, Emily May, what the hey, every time he sees me. Oh the rhyme itself is not a problem. In fact, I is find it, it to not? be cute. Okay. My issue is that what the hey is just a, not a thing that people ask each other. What does it even mean? I'm not sure if it's even hey, like, you know, like hey, or hey as in hello. How am I supposed to answer this nonsensical question? What the hey, Emily? John, do you know that here in Montana, we have a thing called what the hay, which is where I don't know if this is everywhere, uh, where they dress up hay bales as like minions or like snowmen or whatever. Uh, no, they call it, they, I'm not familiar with they this. Call it, they call it what the hay and, and everybody makes oh man. And they've, it's like minions have totally taken over what the hay. And it's so like it's like uh, not it is a bit disappointing. But there's some really great what the hay uh, stuff. Uh, if you if you Google what the hay H A Y, you can see some good good Montana hay creations. But I don't think that's what Emily's uncle is referencing. No, I think what I Emily's think so. uncle is doing, in all likelihood, is saying something that he has been saying to Emily May since she was like zero years old, mm -hmm. like. Uh, like Chris uh, always sings this song whenever he sees Henry. He sings uh, Henry Atticus MNF in green. Uh, <laughs> and until until Henry was like two, he sang the actual song. If you catch yeah, my drift. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he he has since then censored it. But like it is so far, it's just a result of having spent a lot of time with someone as a baby and like singing nonsense songs to them and saying nonsense things to them to get them to sort of babble back at you. And so Emily May, what the hey is your uncle's way of trying to say, I love you in a way you can only imagine that you cannot even fully glimpse because for much of the period that I have been loving you, you were like 
you know, semi-conscious. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to respond to it just by saying, like, I love you, Uncle Joe. Or maybe just be like, uh, you know, Uncle Joe, what do you know? Like, maybe think of a rhyme that involves his name. Good advice, John. I appreciate that. And I've, now I feel bad that I don't have, like, fun names for, for name rhymes for Henry and Alice. I'll work on it. This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by ZocDoc. Look, there are, I think it's fair to say, some imperfections in the American healthcare system, but there are ways that it actually has recently gotten easier. I don't compromise on a lot of things, but I do not love feeling like I can't find the right doctor for me. And I've gotten very lucky that I have found some good doctors for me. When it comes to your health, there shouldn't be compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines slash their family group chat slash their crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or they happen to take your insurance. Instead, like you don't have to keep going back to a doctor who you don't like. You can check out ZocDoc, a place where you can find and book doctors who make you feel comfortable, who listen to you, who prioritize your health, and you can search by location, availability, and insurance type. So literally, no compromises. Because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you think. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more phone calls and waiting on hold with a receptionist. We don't have time for this anymore. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. Booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even sometimes score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. Every time I know it's coming, and I'm like, I'm going to have to say ZocDoc.com right now, aren't I? And then I do. I'm getting good at it, everybody. ZocDoc.com. This question is from Anonymous. Dear Hank and John, I'm a high school senior, and this week I was rejected from four colleges. I got accepted to a couple, but all the ones near the top of the list did not accept me. I'm trying to stay positive and remind myself that I have a wonderful opportunity to choose between schools that did accept me, but it's hard because all these rejections make me feel a lot of self-doubt. Any advice through this process would be really helpful. You both mean a lot to me. Crumbling under the weight of my own existence. Anonymous. Hank, did you get into all the colleges where you applied? Well, John, I only applied to two, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so uh, I applied uh, to like a bunch yeah. of colleges. Well, here's, and, my, and here's, I, the, here's the secret of getting into only two colleges, John. I did yeah, not apply to yeah. any good schools. Well, I mean, you the school you went not to is like, a good school, but you didn't apply to any like Ivy League schools yeah, or anything. Yeah, I wasn't trying to get into any place like super special. Yeah. I think that where you go to college is important, but maybe not for the reasons that you think it will be important when you are a high school junior or senior. A lot of times, like where I went to college was very important, but I also didn't get into probably the five best schools I applied to. Uh, and I'm very grateful for that because uh, if I hadn't gone to the college where I, I ended up going, I would not have moved to Chicago after graduating from college, and I would therefore not have met Sarah, and I would therefore have a vastly different life. 
So like when I think about what was really important about college, like the classes were really important. I learned a lot of things that I've been able to apply to my professional and personal life. But the single most important thing was geography that allowed me to meet my wife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I also think that there are a huge number of great schools. There are, and there are a very small number of schools that will help you just through virtue of their reputation, right? And uh, and and I and I almost think like in terms of like that's kind of weird anyway. Like if you're being helped just by the fact that you went to a school that people like recognize the name, that doesn't necessarily say anything about what you learned. Um, but they're like overall, there are a lot of great schools in America that no one's ever heard of, and um, and you will have no idea whether or not uh, a school is good for you until basically you're done. Um, but I think as long as you like come into it with the with the right mindset and the right goals and like and want to take on college with sort of an open mind and a spirit of like I like this is exciting and and I'm going to uh, I'm going to make myself a better person for these next four years, like I think you're gonna get a lot out of school wherever you go. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some colleges where it's easier to get a good education than others uh, because they're, you know, student-centered or, uh, you know, or or learning-centered or, or whatever, or easier to get different a good education in different subjects. But I, I would argue that the vast majority of American universities are places where you can get a good education. Uh, so you're gonna it, it's it's gonna be okay. I remember being very disappointed. Um, about the places I didn't get into, although I got into the college I most wanted to attend, even if it wasn't the like technically the best according to the rankings. Um, but also, I I wouldn't put a ton of stock in those rankings. I think. Oh yeah. You know, it's measuring the quality of an education is not something that uh, numbers are particularly good at doing. I agree, John. Do you have another question for us? I don't, but I have a number of responses to things, Hank. Oh, okay. uh, First, you might remember Sarah uh, of the Girl Scout Cookies. Uh, she wrote oh, in yeah. to say, Dear John and Hank, it's Sarah the Girl Scout, and I wanted to let you know, you guys know that with your help, we managed to donate 78 boxes of cookies for the food pantry, which is really what? great. It's not 378, but it's still a lot. Uh, so thank you to everybody who donated and bought uh, Sarah's Girl Scout cookies through the link that we read That's out loud. Cool. That has really <laughs> made me very happy. Then a number of people wrote in uh, on the topic of snakes. Um because we suggested, I guess, to a, a kid named mm -hmm. Devin uh, that yeah. Devin sneak a snake <laughs> uh, onto the campus of Devin's new college. That turns out to have been bad advice, at least according uh, to a number of college administrators who wrote in uh, to let us know that, uh, in general, uh, snakes are not welcome in, in dormitories. <laughs> uh, really? I feel like there's got to be, like, some dorms that allow snakes. And I feel like uh, aluminum foil must be chemically special, but apparently I'm also wrong. Uh, Susan wrote in as well to say, Dear John and Hank, I don't have a question. I just wanted to thank you. It's one of the best emails we've ever received, Hank. I met a guy with a tattoo that says, uh, Moratori te salutant. Because I had just listened to the podcast where you explained what that means, I was able to show off my knowledge. And this Friday, we are going on our second oh. date. <laughs> Arrows and otters, Susan. Uh, nice. I mean... I it remains to be seen, Susan, whether it is uh, proves to be good news or bad news that uh, 
you are going on a second date with someone who has a tattoo that says those who are about to die salute you. But um, I hope <laughs> that it works out. I think it's a I think it's a pretty cool Latin phrase. And I think I mean, just don't feel pressure from us to get married. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's definitely definitely not. Uh, we're you, okay. You don't need to, yeah, just the yeah. date is is good enough for us. Yeah, John, we're delighted I, about this situation. Can I read to you um, a quote from uh, from eight hundred different emails that we got? Yes, it's just a just a direct quote. It was in the, all eight hundred of them. Uh huh. John, yeah. OMG, yeah. it's bath bomb, not bath ball. Yeah. Come yeah, on. I know. I would Come like on. to apologize to my friends at Lush Cosmetics uh, for calling their bath bombs bath balls. However, I would also like them to apologize to me, Hank. And uh, I waited until the end of the pod to tell this story because I don't want to in any way damage the amazing reputation of my personal sponsor, Lush Cosmetics. However... One of the bath bombs. So I've been using these bath bombs pretty regularly, and they're fantastic. You can find a picture, in fact, of me using one of them on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. (laughs) However, one of the bath bombs, uh, it was shaped kind of like a, a, a yellow and white pill. And I put it in my bath and I was like, oh, this is so lovely. I am just having the most relaxing experience. And then at the very center of the bath bomb, there was this sort of silvery stuff. And I was like, oh, that's weird. God, what a great bath I'm having. And I had like a nice 30-minute bath. And then I got out of the bath. And <laughs> I, mean, I love this story already. My beautiful, lovely wife, who is not totally sold on this whole me using bath bombs on, uh, in every bath thing, looked at me and said, John, you are literally covered in glitter. <laughs> And I was, I mean, not only was I covered in glitter, but I would say that I, like five days later, there is still a fair amount of glitter on my body. (laughs) That stuff is sticky. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. We also got... I love uh, that. There's like, also, a glitter, there's like a glitter pocket inside of it. Yeah. Oh, there should be a special warning. The other day, John, I, th- this this has started to happen to me. This is very unrelated. But I, I was drinking what, what appeared to be seltzer water. And yeah. then I started to feel like I had had some caffeine. And I looked and there was caffeine in it. It wasn't branded as an energy drink. It was like branded as like a low calorie soda thing. And I was enjoying it. And, like, you can't just throw caffeine in stuff and not put it on, like, the front label and say, caffeine in this. And I also had a Cliff Bar that had caffeine in it. And, I, no, you can't just, you can't do that to a guy. I freak out. Okay? <laughs> that's that's just like having your entire body covered in glitter. Um, except, except it's just my soul. That's what former, happens to me. Former glitter master- soul is... F- Former, with caffeine. For, 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 former, 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 I'm going to get in here at some point. Former Ning Pastor Tom uh, wrote in uh, to say, dear friends, a couple episodes ago, you answered a question regarding signatures in which John's old signature was brought up. And then uh, Tom has a copy of Looking for Alaska from March 12th, 2005, which is like less than a week uh, or, or I think nine days maybe after the book uh, first came out. Uh, and that has my old signature on it. And we're going to post that on the Patreon so that you can see what my old signature looked like. Second to last, um, 
we received several emails from friends or acquaintances of uh, for- the 14th most powerful Canadian, uh, Gerald Butts. <laughs> An astonishing number of Dear Hank and John listeners know uh, either Gerald Butts himself or are friends with Gerald Butts or uh, slow danced with uh, Gerald Butts's <laughs> friend Justin Trudeau uh, when when they were in high school. It's it's absolutely overwhelming the number of people who know Gerald Butts. It makes me think that Canada is indeed one of those countries where literally everyone knows literally everyone else. And lastly, <laughs> lastly, and wait, perhaps wait, wait, you gotta you gotta give that you gotta give that best that best little note at the end of that one, John. What is it? That Gerald Butts, if you're wondering, really loves bruschetta. Or however that's pronounced. Uh, I think it's pronounced. I think it's whatever. pronounced bruschetta, but I'm not totally uh, positive. However, that is a little bit of Gerald Butts trivia for you, Gerald Butts fans out there. And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, we received the following email from Sarah: Dear John and Hank, Jeffrey Potaterson has become <laughs> self-aware. <laughs> Jeffrey Potaterson, um, who, if you're a longtime hardcore listener to Dear Hank and John, you will remember from a previous episode, after months of not accepting friend requests from literally hundreds of listeners, <laughs> Jeffrey Potaterson has accepted all of our friend requests and has become like pretty excited about uh, his, his newfound platform. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's posted, he posted, uh, Jeffrey Potaterson is feeling excited, haven't been on in a long time, didn't think I'd become so popular. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, yeah, I noticed I noticed when he added me as a friend, and then immediately I started getting messages from people on Twitter being like, I'm friends with Jeffrey Potaterson, Hank, it happened, and he's oh, posting man. again, and uh, I'm just yeah. so happy for, so. I'm just so happy for Jeffrey Potaterson. Hank, what's the news from Mars? Oh, Right. I know the news from Mars this week. Do you know which news from Mars I'm going to give you? I hope it's the news where, uh, while talking to an astronaut, President Donald Trump promised to get a human being on on the surface of Mars by the end of his administration. You know, that wasn't going to be my news, uh, because I feel like that more more what he's saying than, like, I'm going to get you to Mars in the next four years is, I plan on being president for the next... 75 years. No, he said it, he'd like it to be done in his first term, but it will definitely be done in his second term, which means it would happen by 2024, which also means that I'm, I'm going to throw this out there and I don't, I don't, we, we don't like to get political on the pod, but I don't know that um, President Donald Trump has a great sense of what it would take to get a human being to Mars. Of like what exactly Mars is? <laughs> no, I think he knows what <laughs> Mars is. I don't think I I think he is a I think he is a person who likes to make bold promises. Yes. Uh, he does yes. Uh, it oh mm. yeah. What's the news? That is that the news from Mars? It's great news. Do, that doesn't seem doable to me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty. I'm not very optimistic about hitting my own date. Uh, but it's interesting that he would. Yeah, he'd just say that without like talking to anybody at NASA at all about where we're at with the space launch system, which is yeah. not ready to go to Mars anytime. But anyway, I guess I wish him luck. Uh, I was going to talk about. Uh, so we, building things on Mars is important mm-hmm. because you have to have places for people to live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and taking things to Mars is very hard 
And so we would like to take as little as possible with us when we go to Mars. So uh, a, a we have now been able to, in the lab, create a fairly good substitute for what Mars soil is like, or dirt on Mars, uh, uh-huh. or reg- regolith, or whatever. And they uh, have been thinking, you know, it would be great if we could build structures out of the stuff that's already on Mars. That way, not only, you know, did they have a place to live, but also we could protect astronauts from cosmic rays. And uh, and so, like, maybe we could make bricks from, from the regolith on Mars. And the, you know, the thought was we'd have to bring some kind of binder with us or we would uh, have a microbe that would, cr- like, turn... Because on, on Earth, you can't do this. Like, you need a binder to make, a, to make clay into a brick or, or a bunch of heat and, and et cetera. So... Uh, we bring like a, a microbe that would turn like human waste into this byproduct that we could mix with the soil and then and bake it and turn it into a, a brick. But they found that actually because of the iron oxide in Martian soil, if you just press it, if you just take a bunch of Mars soil, at least the, the simulations for it that we have right now, if you just compress it really hard, the, the iron oxide will sort of break down into like flat little sheets and then stick to itself because it likes to likes to be with itself. And so it breaks down into like flat things and like tiny microscopic structures that will create a like a brick-like structure. And it requires, as far as we can tell, no extra ingredients. And so you just have automatic Martian bricks and all you need is to apply a fair amount of pressure, but the kind of pressure that could easily be applied by an electrical press of some kind. And boom, Martian bricks to build houses out of, which uh, is exciting. That is very exciting. You know what is not exciting? Uh Uh-oh. The month of April. Hank, every month, every football team um, has this thing where they, every football team in the whole world is like every month, like, let's vote on our goal of the month. Like, here are the top three nominees for goal of the month. Which which of these amazing goals will be, you know, uh, our team's goal of the month? AFC Wimbledon has not scored a goal in the month of April. (laughs) Still, still got that drought going. It's almost it is, like they're uh, like, "Well, we're safe, so it's just yeah, it's fine." They're 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 so they're they're enjoying being safe so much that they have now gone five five games without scoring a goal. Uh, during those five games, they've picked up two points, both nil nil draws against one against Swindon Town, one against Peterborough. They lost three nil to Bradford City, a score that, uh, from the accounts I could find on Twitter, seemed to rather flatter AFC Wimbledon. And uh, yeah, and now they're about to play their sixth uh, game of April. Um, and hopefully, maybe on April 30th, they will score and then there will be a goal of the month. <laughs> <laughs> there will not need to be a vote th- because it will just maybe, be yeah. the one goal. Maybe It'll there definitely will be, be two. that one. <laughs> there will be two goals and you can, you can pick one. Oh, they could fight it out between the two goals of the month. Yeah. So, I mean, look, the great news, and it is really great news, I don't want to minimize it, is that AFC Wimbledon uh, are safe. They are going to have another season in League One. The bad news is that um, if, uh, if you could be judged on how you finish... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say you shouldn't be judged on how you finish. Uh, one game left in the season for AFC Wimbledon, uh, and it is uh, against Oldham, uh, another team that is completely safe and also is playing for nothing. So maybe we'll find a way to win it or not lose it or even lose 2-1. Um, the que- so, John? Yeah. 
Are you going to be below the the, uh, the 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 MK whatever the name very is? likely uh, going to finish uh, below the franchise currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes? Yes, it's not it's not inevitable. Uh, Milton Keynes sitting on 58 points, AFC Wimbledon sitting on 56. So if Wimbledon win and Milton Keynes lose, uh, then it would happen. Otherwise, probably not. We'll see. We'll see. There is still something to play for because I think that's would not be an insignificant accomplishment. All right, John. What did we learn today? Uh, well, we learned that uh, there's nothing special about aluminum foil. It's heat itself that's so weird. Uh, we learned that if the people at the hospital put a name on your birth certificate, that's your name, and and that's great. And you can be Emma if you want to be. But also, according to Hank, you have to be Emma regardless of whether you want to be. <laughs> I didn't say have to. I just said it's a good story. Oh, it's a great story. We learned that you should never, ever, ever tell people that they are going to die while delivering them a pizza. And we learned that drinking to excess is bad, no matter what you use to do it with. Uh, John, thanks for potting with me today. Well, we're not done potting just yet, Hank, because we have to go record This Week in Ryan's, our hit comedy podcast that's available (laughs) only via our Patreon at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn. This week, you know who we're discussing this week, Hank? Oh, no, no, I didn't realize you had one. Well, that's how it works. I pick the Ryans, and then you quickly read their Wikipedia pages (laughs) while recording the podcast. (laughs) This week, I've chosen to make it very hard for you by talking about Ryan Babel, the Dutch footballer. Oh, God. If you want to ask us a question, you can do so at hankandjohn at gmail.com, or you can use the hashtag DearHankAndJohn on Twitter, where Hank is Hank Green, and I am occasionally John Green, but mostly Leon Musk for Earth or Sports with John. Uh, uh, this podcast is produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. It is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Victoria Bonjourner is our head of community and communications, and our music is by the great Gunnarola. Hank, thank you again for potting with me, and thanks to everybody for listening as we say in our hometown. Town. Don't, Don't forget, forget to be, be awesome. awesome.